Talk is underway. Tuesday, March 28th. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, it is now time for our Daily Flames Roundtable. Lots to dive into when it comes to this team. Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Logan Gordon on Flames Talk. Never happens. A wonderful day. And uh, Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, completes our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, I want to start with Jacob Pelche as the Flames get set to take on the LA Kings Tuesday night, their fourth and final game with Los Angeles this year. It'll be the sixth time in seven games that Jacob sits as a healthy scratch. The only game that he played in was that game eight days ago in LA where the Flames got blown out 8-2. Guys, at what point does the conversation about returning Pelche to the Wranglers start to make sense again? At what point is that a valid conversation again? Yesterday, today. I mean, it's a conversation that I would be having right now. And here's one of the reasons why. So after a really busy start to the month of March, this has been a light week for the Flames, right? They played Saturday, they played tonight on Tuesday, and they don't play again until Friday. Well, if you look at the Calgary Wranglers schedule, they've got eight games remaining in the regular season. The next two are at home. Mm -hmm. The last six are on the road. So you've got uh, the Henderson Silver Knights coming in tomorrow and again on Friday for a 1 p.m. game. So depending on what the Flames' plans are, if they're not planning on playing Peltier this week, then why not get him a couple of games here at home? You know, if something happens in tonight's game and you have to recall him, then you have the ability to do that. (laughs) He's just down the hall. But I believe the fastest way for a player to develop is by playing games. I'm not saying that Jacob Peltier can't continue to develop by only practicing, but if you do need him, I think it would probably help him and help you if he's got some games under his belt uh, of late, and he's been a healthy scratch in the last three games and in five of the last six games. Uh, Prior to being a healthy scratch, uh, had kind of hit a bit of a wall. Daryl Sutter suggested... uh, as far as his energy levels were concerned, but also production-wise, pointless in eight, goalless in ten. I think it could help Jacob Pelche to go down and play a game or two or more with the Calgary Wranglers. You've still got two regular recalls remaining. Then after that, uh, if you get banged up, you can go to emergency recalls. So with only eight games left in the season, I think it might benefit Pelche and the Flames in two ways. Number one, continue to develop your young first-round pick. And number two, get them playing some games. So if you need him at the NHL level, that he's been playing at the AHL level and maybe a little bit more ready for game action. Huh? How do you guys see it? Yeah, I'm right with you, Derek. That's the exact same thing as far as timelines go. I would be looking at it now to take advantage of the AHL 
in-house that you developed and, and brought with the Wranglers coming yeah. to Calgary this year. I think this is the ideal time to use something like that. It becomes a little bit more messy, like you said, for the Wranglers schedule because it is so weird that they have these two home games and then they have six on the road to end off the season. And then you're trying to match travel with they're going. They're going to Coachella Valley. They are going to San Diego. And I believe they're going to Abbotsford. So you'd have to wrangle a bit of, not to use a pun there, but uh, to work out a bit of a scheduling thing there if he was to be with the Wranglers during their road trip. But nonetheless, for the Flames, the schedule is pretty simple for the most part over the next two weeks. So it makes a lot of sense for him to, like you said, simply go down the hallway, eat important minutes with the Calgary Wranglers, get back into two, maybe gain some confidence yep. back in his game. And you're right. To me, the only two, the only real downside to doing it is the recall thing, the fact that you've only got – so many, but on the side of that, you're still operating with two extra forwards right now, guys. Adam Ruzicka is not in the lineup on a regular basis for the Flames, so if something were to happen... Three now with Coronado. Exactly. Yeah, you're true. You're 100% right. Coronado, I didn't include in that, but... So you know what I mean. If something were to happen and Jacob wasn't able to, for whatever reason, immediately come back and join the team, well, you wouldn't have to use a recall if you didn't need to. Adam could come back into the lineup and jump right in. So, yeah, I think this is the ideal opportunity, Pat, to to use this relationship that you've gained by bringing the Wranglers in-house and into the same city as you. But at, at the same time, I can understand, you know, there's a, a point in everyone's career, and I'm sure for Jacob that – you know, he would like to think that he's done with the American Hockey League and see himself as a full-time NHLer. I just don't know if that's where we're at right now. Well, for me, I'd like to see him in the lineup at the NHL level. I think he adds something to the lineup. Right now, the Flames and, and Daryl Sutter don't agree, and that's and that's fine. That's why you have a coach, so that he makes the decisions on his own and doesn't listen to you or I or anybody else. But Are you sure? I think it's better to have a coach make his own decisions as opposed to listening to us. <laughs> I think so, typically. But I just I'm I'm with you guys. I think especially Derek when you talk about uh the the way that you put it when you said that at his age he's 22 and he's just barely 22. Yeah. You know, playing games is really important for development and we're talking about a long stretch here of him barely playing and the one game he played in the the entire team was awful not just him so I don't think he's played himself out of the lineup the team doesn't want or right now the team and and the coaching staff seems a little reticent to bring him back in so he's not waiver eligible you can send him freely between the two teams he's got an opportunity to go play and and i just if you're not going to play him here i'm starting to and i'm not i'm not quite there yet because Maybe we'll see what happens in, in this game against the Kings, but maybe it becomes obvious that bringing him back into the NHL lineup is the way to go. So I'd wait a little bit longer on that, but even if you'd send him to join the group on the road, I still and join the, the Wranglers group on the road. I don't even mind that. I just think at some point you hit a point where him sitting and practicing and not playing doesn't make much sense. And if you want him to be at his very best to help the Wranglers come the postseason, you want him playing. If you want him at his very best to help the Flames, if they were to make the postseason, you want him playing. So I just think we're nearing that point where it makes sense to, to go back down that road. For me, this week makes the most sense because he hasn't played in a little while and the Wranglers are at home. 
next week and the following week, they've got three games in four days both weeks. So at Coachella Valley and then at San Diego for two. That's Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And then the same schedule the following week, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, but at Abbotsford for all three games. So if you think you might need Peltier in the next couple of weeks, then get him a game this week when you don't necessarily need him. And if you do, you can just call him up from down the hallway. So, you know, he's a a terrific young player, and he's going to have a really bright future with this team. But right now, because they're relatively healthy, they haven't needed him. At some point in time, they might need him or just want him because uh, either they think he can bring something to the lineup that they don't currently have or they get to a position where – their uh, playoff hopes uh, take a, an even bigger hit than they already have. But you know what, guys? This is the biggest game of the season for the Flames tonight. If they win this and get some help, they're gonna only going to be two points out of a playoff spot at the end of the night. So if you're Daryl Sutter, you have to ice the best possible lineup. And I know that the best possible lineup, in his opinion, might differ from other people's opinions. But right now, he doesn't think that uh, Peltier should be in. So uh, what an opportunity for the Calgary Wranglers to, to get their best offensive player back, get him some experience. Logan, to your point, maybe get him a little confidence. And then if you want to call him up and give him another chance, uh, might be a better player for it. The only other thing I would add, guys, is given how busy the Flames schedule has been the last couple of weeks too, it's not like he's had a lot of practice time with this Flames group yeah. where he's had a lot of one-on-one with the coaches or doing drills. They're, they've barely had time for travel. Right? They've had two straight weeks with four games in seven days. That's a tough schedule. So it's not like Jacob's here racking in the practice hours with this team. He's more right. or less traveling with the team and taking part in morning skates, which, as we all know, differ drastically than when you actually get time to practice, and that's few and far between during the regular season nowadays. Agreed. Uh, we'll see if it happens, or we'll see if Jacob uh, can re-enter the lineup at, at some point here in the not-so-distant future. Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek Logan and Pat on a Tuesday. Guys, Nazem Kadri has goals in two straight games after going 16 in a row without scoring a goal. But are we seeing, and, and both goals have been important goals, are we seeing any difference in his game of late? Are we seeing him play a better brand of hockey of late? Yeah, I've liked his last three games a lot better. I, I thought he really struggled coming out of the nine-day break, which is ironic because he was the Flames' only representative at the NHL All-Star game, but he didn't look like the same player coming out of that break. And I do wonder if fatigue has been a factor for him. He, he went to the Stanley Cup Finals and won a championship with the Avalanche. He didn't have much of an offseason, guys, and that can catch up to players, and uh, that could be part of the reason why he struggled coming out of the break, but just didn't seem to be playing like we know he can play. And I say that both with the puck and without the puck. And I'm a real believer, especially for guys who aren't generational players, that if you play the right way, you're going to get rewarded. Quite often, if you're uh, a generational talent, you don't have to play the right way to get rewarded. You're going to get your goals, assists, and points. But for most guys, you've got to play the right way to to be productive. And for quite some time, I didn't think he was playing the right way and didn't really deserve to get rewarded with goals, assists, and points. And I think it's been a frustrating season for him. You go from playing for the best team in the league and the Avalanche, and I thought they were the best team in the regular season and the postseason last year and deserved to win the Stanley Cup, to playing for a Flames team that had really high expectations that some even picked as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Heck, 
when they were 5-1-0 to start the season, some people thought they were the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. And, mm -hmm. you know, the season hasn't... Uh, gone uh, in a good direction since that start but you know Nazem Kadri in the last I would say three games has been playing the right way and, and for me that starts without the puck and it really stood out to me in Saturday's game against the Sharks some of the things that he did defensively whether it was applying back pressure um, working really hard to get pucks back when he had lost him or one of his teammates had lost him. And then that led to some scoring opportunities for him and his first teammates. And he's now scored in back-to-back -back games and snapping five-game pointless and 16-game goalless streaks. And Pat, as you mentioned, big goals as well. Uh, got the game winner in that 5-3 victory over the Sharks mm -hmm. on Saturday. And also had seven shots on goal in that game. So it's been good to see him work hard to get into a position to shoot the puck. And I feel like he's simplified his game a little bit as well. He's a guy who is at his best when he's got the puck on his stick, but sometimes he holds it too long. And uh, plays can kind of die on his stick. But he's been a lot better in, I think, every area over the last few games, so it's been good to see him get rewarded. And you know, we've all said it. If the Flames are going to make this interesting, they're going to need their best players to be their best players. And Nazem Kadri has the ability to be their best players, or at least one of their best players if other guys are going. And in the last couple of games, he's been a lot better. It's been good to see. I think he's been better uh, the last couple of games. I still think there's more to give from Nazem Kadri. I think that his line as an effective line has has come a long way the last couple of games for me with Dume and Richie. Specifically, I think they've been able to create more offensively as a unit uh, rather than as individuals, which I've been really happy to see. I think Nazem, to your point, Derek, has put in more of that work uh, to get into those advantageous opportunities, including the game winner against San Jose. That's a guy working hard to get to the front of the net to find a, a rebound and mm -hmm. put it in, and that's a, an important thing that, let's be honest, a lot of the Flames could learn from this season that hasn't been an area they've gone to a lot this season very consistently. So... I think there's it's absolutely been better, Pat, but I think even going back to what we talked about a bit here at the beginning of the season and knowing the player that Nazem Kadri is when he's at his best, to me there's still a gap. I still think that he needs to take a significant step forward to being that kind of player that signed a 7 by 7 contract in the offseason for the Calgary Flames. Does that mean he hasn't been better? No, he absolutely has been, and I think it's showed in getting a couple of goals here, but my expectations for Nazem Kadri are higher than what they've been even the last couple of games, and that's not only offensive production, Derek, but that's defensive yeah. play, that's engagement level. Uh, I think we're still waiting to see, for some fans, I know for, for me too, I'm still waiting to see a little bit of that snarl in his game on a consistent basis that we've come to associate with Nazem Kadri. So better, Pat, but I still think that there's another step he can take to get him to be the player that we hope he is here in Calgary. Yeah, I, I still think there's another step. And the other important thing is that it's been, uh, yeah, three last three games have been solid, and now we need to see the next eight be like that yeah. because we have seen, even going back since the All-Star break, we've seen kind of games here and there where he's been a real impact maker and then disappears for a little bit. So three games is good. This now needs to be the standard for the rest of the year because they're they're not gonna make it if he's not no. one of their one of their larger driving forces. So 
It's good. I, I do feel like he has been more around it. I feel like his line has been more around it. And let's be honest, uh, with the two lines that Daryl has constructed right now with Backlund's line and Lindholm's line, they're getting the heavies. Those are the heavy matchup lines. And the Kadri line is their matchup line or their matchup exploitation line, mm-hmm. the one that they can put out on home ice against opposing third or fourth lines and see if they can go to work. And they need to continue to do the job that they've done. I've, I, Dubé's brought some speed. Richie's been in and out in terms of his effectiveness on that left side. But I, I have felt like Kadri has driven his line more over the last little bit than he has in, in quite some time. So that's a good sign. His goals have come at important times. A power play goal when they absolutely needed it against Vegas on Thursday. And then, as you mentioned, the game winner against San Jose a couple of days later. So more of this and maybe even a further step from Kadri is exactly what they're going to need to stay in this thing down the stretch. You know, we've talked about the last few games and how he's been trending in the right direction. The funny thing is, I, I wonder if Daryl Sutter feels the same way that we do because he played 12 minutes and 34 seconds on Saturday. That is his lowest time on ice so far this season. Played 12-35 versus the Kings back on March 20th. So that was in that 8-2 loss last Monday. And 12:35 as well in a game against the Golden Knights back on March 16th. So ice time generally tells a story when it comes to how Daryl Sutter feels about one of his players. So mm-hmm. the fact that he only played 12:34 on Saturday makes me wonder if Sutter is seeing it the same way that that we're seeing it. But you know, seven shots on goal in 12 and a half minutes—that's pretty impressive. Game-winning goal. Uh, obviously, Sutter's talked a lot about how his best players have to be their best players and uh, step up and and score big goals at important times, and Nazem Kadri did that in a game the Flames absolutely had to have. And you talked about Nick Ritchie, Pat. For me, and I guess you could tie this into the conversation that we had yesterday about Matt Coronado and today about Jacob Peltier. For me, Nick Ritchie's probably on the thinnest ice because he's been inconsistent. At times he's looked good and has done something the Flames as a team haven't done a good enough job of this season, get to the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and get to the front of his opponent's net. But at other times, it's kind of looked like the game's been a bit too fast for him. So, you know, I do wonder about him playing on the left side of that line. And, you know, Milan Lucic, uh, I think, has played better since he was a healthy scratch in a couple of games. But, you know, those are two veteran players who aren't likely to be a part of the Flames' plans beyond this season. So if you're looking for a spot to insert a young player like Matt Coronado, and I think it's going to be a while for him, especially after watching him practice today. Looked a little bit lost out there in his first NHL practice, which was to be expected uh, coming right from school and joining a team where there's no whiteboard on the ice at practice. You're expected to know exactly what to do and when to do it, and it'll be a bit of an adjustment for him to to figure all of that out. But also Peltier, who uh, has already figured that stuff out. So it's going to be fun to watch... uh, now, how the last eight games go, but as I said earlier, biggest game of the season tonight, guys. And you know, it kind of feels like the Kings, who uh, are on a franchise record-long 12-game point streak, uh, are due for a bad one. We'll have to wait and see if uh, they're due to have a bad one against uh, a Flames team that uh, they demolished 8-2 to last Monday. 
That was only eight days ago. Uh, thank you, boys. Derek Wills, Logan Gordon, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable on a Tuesday, brought to you, as always, by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport. couple of texts at 960-960. This says, it's a joke, Pelche sitting. He's been bringing more to the team than some long-term NHLers who never sit. Uh, this says... Um, Nazem Kadri will never get to where you want them to be under Daryl Sutter. Change your coach and you'll have a healthier, help happier player. That's a reality. Only thing I'd say to that is he did play four seasons under Mike Babcock. So it's not like it's not like he hasn't played for a guy who has been kind of of that ilk and, and that really, I'm trying to think of the right word, kind of that, that taskmaster, that relentless type guy. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that is, and I'm not trying to suggest that, that, that you know, the texter's out to lunch or anything like that. I just, that pops into my head. He played four seasons and had four pretty decent seasons under Mike Babcock in Toronto. And this says it's not a coincidence the players have their best year when they're set to become free agents. Then once they get their big contract, their give-a-crap meter goes down. That's what I see with Kadri. Um, I don't know. Um, I think that this season has been a draining one on a lot of guys, and this season has been one that has been trying for a lot of guys. I think there's more there with Kadri. I don't think he's a guy that has a give-a-crap meter that, that can go down. I really don't. So I do like what I'm seeing more from him over the last little bit. It's uh, time for a Tuesday edition of your Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18+. plus. Play responsibly. We started the week 1-1 one and one on Monday. We ended up hitting our over Miko Rantanen three and a half shots, uh, but we just missed on McDavid over three and a half shots. Connor finished at three. So one and one to kick off our week. I've got three for you on this Tuesday, including Tyler Toffoli against his old team. Yeah, I'll go Toffoli with the way he's playing over half a point. So over half a point for Toffoli versus the Kings. I've also got Chris Kreider of the Rangers over two and a half shots. That's a gimme for me versus Columbus. And I'm going to go Jake DeBrusque over two and a half shots for Boston uh, when they take on Nashville. So best bets on a Tuesday to Foley over half a point, Kreider over two and a half shots, and DeBrusque over two and a half shots. And your best bets on a Tuesday brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Underway on a Tuesday, March 28th. Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's time to say hello to our NHL insider. Uh, he joins us every Tuesday. It's time to say hello to Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit South Trail Chrysler. Dot com. We say hello to Frank right now from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, sir. How are we doing today? Mr. Steinberg, I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. And uh, well, I, I, I guess I guess let's start locally with the Flames as uh, they get their deal done on Sunday with 2021 first round pick Matt Coronado and. I'm just I'm curious as to your observations or, or more so just what you know and, and your reporting on it because leading in never really felt like there was any doubt on either side. The Coronado camp was always fairly consistent with their thoughts that they intended to sign. The Flames were always confident that they were going to get this done, but Flames have been burned before. We all know what the uh, fans in this city went through in the summertime. So I guess there's always that worry until the guy gets signed, hey? Yeah, I think that's really just based on past history that you have that concern or fear. I think when you consider Matt Coronado and the consistency, I think, as you mentioned, that they're the sort of belief that they had. And, and it was also, look, um, the – the thing that you have to guard against is it's not so much him staying at Harvard. Of course, that's an issue. Um, it's really more so as a bunch of guys were leaving um, on his team to have him then potentially turn around and say, you know what? I just don't want to sign in Calgary, which is, you know, that's of course the, the sour taste that the flames have had in their mouth, understandably so. Um, but in this case, I, I think the only real, awkwardness that existed the only real hesitation was in what's the status of the calgary flames moving forward we'll sign this contract with you but who's going to be in charge in next season who's going to be in charge on the bench next season and those are questions right now that no one can give the coronado camp an answer to and and frankly they're the questions that everyone in calgary wants answered mm-hmm well, absolutely, and and the the very least the contract is is signed. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know when he's going to play. I don't know uh, when the team is going to bring him into the fold and and actually get him into a game. And you know, there's I've I've certainly I think the, heard... pot- the possibility of later this week. I think was on the table. But again, this all comes down to Pat. Is the coach willing to play it? Well, that's just it, and and because they're still in a fight for a playoff spot, like I I I would be actually pretty stunned if he got in on the road Friday in Vancouver. It feels like it feels like maybe more once their fate is a little more clear might be the way they go. But hey, if I I, I would love it to happen. Count me in as one of the people that thinks it should happen on Friday. I just don't know if I'm necessarily anticipating it. Well, so. That's the, I mean, that, that's the other part that I don't think, you know, I'm qualified to answer and I don't know how to best kind of say what I'm thinking in the sense that it's hard to, there is no exact science as to knowing whether a player is NHL ready or not. But I think what you do have in, in Matt Coronado, a, a bit of a smaller guy when compared to even some other players is, um, the, like the best part about signing a player like that is he's coming right out of some of the toughest games of the year. He's sort of battle tested. Um, you know, this was the pinnacle of his season last weekend. And now he's, you know, sort of moving right into the NHL. Is it a different beast? Of course. Is it a lot to ask? Is it a big step? There's no doubt about that, but uh, I know that he isn't viewed on the same level as, you know, a Matthew Nyes coming from Minnesota or some of these other players that are expected, you know, Luke Hughes that's expected to turn pro. 
um, right as soon as their college season ends after the Frozen Four. But I can't imagine that Matt Carnato is far off from some of the players that the Flames have had in their lineup. And, and frankly, the idea of giving your team a shot in the arm at the same time, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And then it, it goes down to, it, it as, as you said, sometimes with different coaches, and, and this coach specifically, it can take some time to earn that trust and, and to get yourself in. So I, I, I really am, and, and the organization seems to be going out of their way to protect him. Even listening to um, Brad Treliving when he joined us on Monday's show, you know he was very, very adamant about how important it is to protect him and temper expectations and not put him into a spot where he's going to fail. They really want to make sure that even in this last stretch, however long he's here for this season, um, that that they put him in a chance or in a situation to succeed. So they're going out of their way to kind of publicly temper the expectations as well, which, you know, as much as I want to see him in, and I think it would be awesome to see him in Friday against Vancouver, I do understand what the organization is trying to do and, and how they're trying to maybe not have it be such a such a buzz for a guy that has never played a professional game before. I I don't know. I mean, I don't like. I get the idea of tamping down expectations in your marketplace. Like no one wants the weight of the world on Matt Coronado's shoulders, and no one's thinking that he's the second coming of you know Kale McCarr that steps right into a lineup and and, you know, gets an assist in the first period that he plays. Or even Johnny Cadrell, right? Yeah, or whatever it might be, whatever the comparison is that you want to make. Nonetheless, you're not, I mean, and I don't want to say you specifically, you're not going to win the argument with me saying that this guy, you know, is going to be overwhelmed by the situation of throwing him into a playoff, you know, playoff-style atmosphere, uh, pressure-packed situation this week as, as if, all of a sudden he's going to be gasping for air and drowning. Like that's just, I don't, I don't see it that way. So right. I say, if you want to take, you know, the expectations off and say, we're super excited to get this guy and we'll see what happens. No, no one's thinking that, you know, because Matt Coronado is going in that all of a sudden the flames have a better chance to make the playoffs. And just in the same way, if they don't and they don't win the game, it's, it has really nothing to do with him or his play even if he, you know, even if the moment is a little bit too big. Yeah. You can only, uh, you, you, you can only find out one way. So like, let's not put too much thought into this and just give it a whirl. Like this is supposed to be fun. Well, that's where I am, and I know they're fighting for a playoff spot, but it's not like college guys haven't stepped in right away and, and made an impact. It's happened many times, and not even just guys like Makar. So yeah, I, I definitely would like to see it. I think it's exactly what they need, a right-shot, right-winger who is a natural scorer. And that doesn't mean that it's going to naturally happen right away with this player, but to your point, I mean, you, you how do you find out? I don't know if you can find out just from practice and just from watching him uh, go around not in game action. I think at some point you got to get him in. My gut says probably not until closer to the game 80s is when we see him, but that's, that's not mistake. necessarily how I'd do it. It's a mistake. It is. You know what? You need to also say to your player, we have confidence in you and we think you can help us. So 
guess what? This Flames team has not been setting the world on fire. Uh, every opportunity that they've had, the Winnipeg Jets have left this door open for the Flames to kick it down for weeks now. And they've yet to do it. So I just say, why not? That's where I'm yep. at. Uh, just before I uh, hit you with a couple on the Jets, so it's it's Hughes and Nyes. Those are the two big college players that we're still waiting on to see. Well, not to see, but when they come out after their college careers come to an end. Anybody else that we're waiting on right now? I don't know that we're waiting on, but like there is, I don't know, there's a ton of players that I think are sort of um, – I don't know, ma- making their path to the NHL, if that makes any sense. Like, they're right. in conversation. I think, um, like, Mitchell Gibson is another player. The goalie from that Harvard team, I'm pretty sure, is leaving to go play for the Caps. Um, like, there's all sorts of, you know, things in the works um, that I, outside of the stars, you know, the the Hughes. And, and these are guys that, like, you're expecting immediate – like, you watch Hughes and he just – right like he's yeah. got that same dynamic energy uh that his brothers do so you watch Hughes and then um you know you go Nyes and and I doubt or I, I'd be curious to see what happens with with Cooley and some others like there's all sorts of players that are in the mix uh but no bigger than Hughes and and Nyes because that's the thing is like I, the Leafs have been trying to tamp down expectations on Nyes, but he's a player that they deemed untouchable essentially in trade talks. And Kyle Dubas actually went to Minnesota to watch him play uh, the few days before the trade deadline, just to make sure, Hey, I'm keeping salary cap space and a roster spot open for this guy. And he went to see him play in the game. He played to his lights out. I think it was Mm -hmm. a Sunday night. And so they were saying, this is a guy they think that can step right in and play. Again, how big of an impact he makes, uh, you got to find out. Yep. There's no exact science here. What uh, what are your observations of the Winnipeg Jets? And as you mentioned, they have refused to shut the door on either the Flames or the Nashville Predators, who in their own right, both teams have also refused to uh, sprint through that open door, but the Jets do not want to slam that thing shut. I mean, they've had the opportunity to put the Flames and the Preds, for that matter, out of their misery, you know, for since the beginning of March, since the trade deadline. And this has been a two plus month scuffle for the jets. They've struggled to defend. They've at times, you know, when they figure out the defensive part of the game, they, they struggle to score. They were shut out a number of times uh, during this stretch. And it's been wholly perplexing to me for a team that was really atop the the central division standing. Like they were battling for first place for such a yep. vast chunk of the year and were one of the most consistent teams in the league and it just feels like now they're having a crisis of confidence. At the exact worst time of the year, you're thinking that this team is going to find a way to, you know, to put it all together. Like a three-game winning streak like quite literally will put everyone it'll seal up the west, all eight teams. Maybe yep. not seeding wise, but that's all it takes, and, and they can't do it. They're like every 10-game stretch you see over this um, – this since January 24th, it's like four, five, and one. Five, like, it's, it's no good. It's not enough to, A, uh, lock up their spot at the moment, 
which is kind of fascinating. You see all the teams in the East that have locked up and clinched that no one in the West to this point has done so. Um, but I, I think at this point, you're going, when are they going to do it? Like, are they going to get it together? And if not, is someone below them, like the Flames, like, again, a, a five-game winning streak by the Flames, and you're like, this is a possibility. And it's just the math is so far against them now working in their favor that it hasn't even really lit a fire under the Jets. Yeah. Do you uh, – they're – because, you know, I, I, I follow that team, and, and I – um, I'm definitely I definitely follow the social media discourse on that team. A lot of criticism again on Wheeler and Shifley, and they made the change last year by bringing in Rick Bonus as head coach. But is is this an off season of change that we might be getting ready for with the Jets? I mean, I would say yes, but I would have said yes last summer. Like the Jets were open to considering some alternatives and possibilities when it came to someone like Blake Wheeler, for instance, but they were pretty stubborn in their approach in the sense that they were like, we think Blake Wheeler has a ton to offer teams and we're not willing to retain salary on him. They felt like at his number, uh, he was sort of the missing link, the missing playoff piece for anyone that was a cup contender, someone that could put someone over the top. And I think they were justified in their actions the way this season started and the way the first, you know, 50 games played out uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I I would assume that if they don't get it done again, and I don't mean, you know, go deep in the playoffs. I, I just mean purely, you know, if this team doesn't make the playoffs after doubling down on this group, mm-hmm. then you have to change it up. Like, how could you possibly go into this next season saying, you know what, we're just going to bring the same team back again. We missed the playoffs the prior. It's kind of like what we've seen play out on Long Island. Here's the thing that I'll say about the Jets and the Islanders is, um, and both those teams had deep, deep, deep runs at a certain point with this core to the conference finals. Um, The Islanders multiple times. Um, the big thing is like they have some pretty conservative managers that are really confident in the teams that they've built and you don't typically see a ton of change for them. So I would, my gut says yes. Um, My head says maybe not so fast. Yep. With Frank Saravalli, he is our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays here on Flames Talk. Um, One more in the Western conference and a few questions uh, out East for you, but uh, what the heck is Vegas going to do when we think, anyway, all their goaltenders become healthy? I know there's no salary cap come the postseason, and there's already no roster limit, but we're talking about, like, five potential goalies they might have to manage. What uh, what are the Golden Knights going to do with all those goaltenders as we move towards everybody being healthy? It's a great question. Um, I, that stat last week was wild. They were the first team in NHL history to win four straight games with four different goalies in net. Like the fact that they've used that many um, to this point in the season and the fact that they're still in first place in their division is, is more or less bananas itself. Uh, what are they going to do? I, I mean, I, I think they're in a spot where they're pretty comfortable with the setup that they would have. Um, but I guess you got to, you know, got to, got to ride with the hot hand, I would think, uh, mm-hmm. whoever's playing best at the time. Um, but it's, 
it's been a really topsy-turvy season again for Vegas with all of the injuries that they've had. And it's not just the goalies. Like, missing Mark Stone is such a huge part of that team. Their emotional leader. They're the guy that drags everyone into the fight. It's, it's really rather impressive what they've been able to accomplish. And their goaltending, uh, despite the musical chairs and, and the guys that have been in and out, to have a team save percentage of 916 this season, um, anyone that's been in net has really played quite well. Do we have any idea or any feel as to when Mark Stone might be ready to return, or is that still very much up in the air? Very much up in the air. Their fingers are crossed that at some point in the playoffs, depending on how deep they go, that they can get him back. I'm not holding my breath. The Every indication that I got from people close to the situation and close to Mark Stone were indicating how significant this injury was. And it's uh, just on the heels of another back injury last year that was quite scary. There were some people, got to be honest, Pat, that were whispering before this surgery, like, I wonder if Mark Stone's career is in question. That's how mm-hmm. significant this one was. Um, and it's just something that, you know, your core, your back, you you can't play without it. You just, it has, every everything has to be firing on all cylinders. And it's not for Stone. They're hoping this injury, this latest surgery can correct that and get him back. But I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him be gone the entire playoffs. Um, lots of speculation surrounding Evgeny Kuznetsov and a potential trade request and his future with the Washington Capitals. What's, uh, what's our understanding there on what Kuznetsov future might look like with the Caps? Well, I'd say the easiest way to explain it is that both sides are, are open to change. I don't think, you know, I did see the report about the trade request. It wouldn't surprise me if it's accurate. He did come out, I think, today or yesterday and say that he is happy in Washington. Uh, I do think that there's change coming there as well. Uh, sort of very quietly, I believe, Peter Laviolette is in the last year of his deal as coach, does not have an extension. Uh, this season has not gone the way that anyone would want, and injuries have been a big part of that story too. John Carlson and the significance of his injury, not just being out of the lineup, but how vicious that injury was with that puck to the head. I don't think it's really been reported on and talked about enough. That's been a big blow to that team, along with you know the usual cast of characters, the guys that we've all been talking about, Backstrom and Oshie and others that have really missed uh, chunks of time, um, including Tom Wilson. But when it comes to Kuznetsov, you know, there was frustration two years ago, 2021, coming off of that, um, you know, pandemic shortened 56 game season that a lot of people were saying is the cap's done with this guy. And he responded in such a big way last year with 78 points in 79 games that people were saying, well, hold on a second. It seems like the Caps will be making a huge mistake. This is one of the supremely talented players in the league. Um, this year, that frustration is back again. And it's not just with his play. It's it's with his inconsistent effort. He floats. Uh, he's in and out of games. Uh, some wonder about his prep- preparation and, and all the things that go into it. I don't have an answer other than to say that this is a really unique guy, a really unique case that... I, like, I just see him being plugged into another team and taking off like a rocket because he's that good. Um, 
What's happening in Florida right now is their playoff chances went from very, very strong to now all of a sudden flickering. What are your observations on the Panthers of late? Flickering, I would say that candle has been blown out. Um, Four straight losses, and it's not just the losses. It's the the story, honestly, and I hate to bring the comparison up because everyone has compared these two teams ad nauseum all year after the trade, but their situation is not all that different uh, from one conference to the next. You know, the Jets opened the door and have left it open for the Flames to burst through. On the other end, the Pens, almost the same exact record. In fact, they do have, I think, the same exact record over the last 10 games or close to it as the Jets. The Pens have been scuffling along. They've had injuries. And the Panthers have had this incredible chance to, you know, turn what has been a lost season after a 122-point campaign and the President's Trophy to sneak into the playoffs and be one of those teams that you're like, huh. I don't know if I'm the Boston Bruins. Like, I don't know that I love the idea of facing a team that has some top end talent like Florida. And instead you lose four straight at the most inopportune time. And it's the teams you've lost to the flyers, Ottawa, the number of goals you've given up. Mm-hmm. It's just been ugly in Florida. Um, and finally, in uh, your neck of the woods in Philadelphia, uh, a little bit of a change at the very top, or a big change at the very top, as uh, their chairman and the chairman of the parent company, Dave Scott, is going to step down next month. And I, I don't know the parent company well enough. I don't know the, the Philadelphia landscape well enough to, to know the answer to this. So I'm really curious. Like, does, does Dave Scott, who was chairman stepping down, does that change the direction of the Flyers? Does that change anything in terms of how about how they go about their business at all? I don't know that it changes necessarily much in how they go about their business, but this is the person that's the, you know, the guy taking over, his name is Dan Hilferty, uh, a lifelong Flyers fan, someone who was a top business executive in the Philadelphia area. Uh, he takes over now as CEO. And what it does is it, it really changes the, um, person who's making the personnel decisions at the end of the day the buck stops with him and so he's going to be responsible for hiring whoever the next gm is and we fully expect that to be danny briere but then he's also then going to be the person who selects the flyers next president of hockey ops and so i think when you see the reaction from fans um look, this is a, a, a bit of a non-traditional approach in the sense that you take a business leader who's not uh, been involved in the hockey space in any sort of um, formal way and put him in charge. But he's replacing someone in Dave Scott who was a 30-year cable executive um, and essentially what you know Flyers fans have referred to here as a bean counter. And you take him uh, and, and you, you change him out for someone that has passion for the space and fans are like, okay, like let's see where this goes. Uh, let's see what happens next. Whoever's in charge from a hockey ops perspective will determine the course of the Flyers. Uh, but with that person, Dan Hilferty, in place, um, I think Flyers fans are hopeful now that there will be a different vibe, a different feel, because it, it, it had reached – really toxic levels in Philly. And I'm not making a joke about the water situation right now as there was a chemical spill in Philly and the drinking water hasn't been safe. 
I'm making a, a reference to there's two parts to it. It's been apathy in the fan base and it's also been anger from their most loyal fans. Yeah. And that's a pretty bad combination to have. Appreciate the time as always, my friend. Great stuff, Frank. We'll do it again next week. Thank you so much, man. Pat, have a good one. You too, buddy. That is uh, Frank Saravalli. He is our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. He joins us on Tuesdays here on Flames Talk, and he's brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. It's Steinberg along with you this hour on Flames Talk, and on Tuesday night, it's the Flames and the Los Angeles Kings at the Scotiabank Saddledome, and Tuesday is the annual Pride Night at the Dome for the Flames. And uh, on this Tuesday, uh, some really cool jerseys they'll be wearing during warm-up. So this will be the uh, one, two, three, four, five. This will be the sixth night this year uh, for home games. The Flames will be wearing specially themed jerseys. Uh, Hockey Fights Cancer, the Indigenous Celebration Night with the uh, awesome new logo that incorporated some of the uh, Indigenous art with the, uh, the horse head and the Blasty logo. We had the Great Red Lunar New Year jerseys, the Black History Month jerseys with kind of the mosaic and the flaming sea logo and Canadian Forces Appreciation Night with the awesome camo jerseys that they wear every single year. Obviously, Hockey Fights Cancer with the white and pink. And these pride jerseys tonight were designed by local artist Megan Partner, uh, Megan Parker, rather, who is uh, part of the LGBTQ plus community here in Calgary. It incorporates the uh, some of Alberta's wildflowers, uh, fauna and flora, and puts it into the same color as the pride flag. They'll be auctioned off to support the CSEC inclusion program, which was created in 2021. So the CSEC inclusion program was introduced with a $2 million investment in sport inclusion through the Flames Foundation, along with the establishment of organizational and community partnerships that promote diversity and equality, fosters greater inclusion and access to hockey for BIPOC individuals, people with disabilities, women, girls, and the LGBTQ2 plus community. So the uh, CSEC inclusion program has done great work in the two years that it has come into existence. Uh, you can go find out more about that on the Flames website or the Flames Foundation website. The jerseys look awesome. They'll be up for auction. The auction link will go live during the game on Tuesday and uh, look, I know there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of conversation, a lot of discourse about the Pride jerseys that have been worn or not worn around the league, but I sure did think that uh, Mackenzie Weger went king mode uh, in the locker room on Tuesday Tuesday morning. I just it was it was short and sweet, but uh, I, I think this was a, a really really good message to hear from the Flames. Everybody's on board in this room. Everybody's more than comfortable to wearing the jersey. Um, you know, a, a lot of us spoke about it, and uh, not not one guy had a disagreement. So um, you know, everybody's welcome in this dress room and in this arena, and um, you know, we're really happy to be wearing the jersey. Jerseys look great. They are all signed by the player wearing them. You can uh, you can go bid on them at auction afterwards. And I gotta say, the Flames and it's uh, it's Chris Huey, it's Tori Peterson, um, it's uh, of course uh, our buddy Brent Gibbs, and it's Jordy McLeod who have kind of been the the four driving forces. Peter Hamlin as well uh, have been kind of the four five driving forces in all of these different theme nights. Every single one of the warm up jerseys, especially the original ones for Indigenous celebrations. 
celebration, Lunar New Year, um, the Black History Month, and now this one on, on Pride Night have been outstanding. So tip of the hat, salute. They've looked incredible, all going to incredible causes and helping the Flames Foundation and the CSEC Inclusion Program. Tip of the hat, they're going to look great uh, during warm-up on Tuesday night as you are locked on Flames Talk this hour coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.